Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for joining us for this week's message from Riverside Church. I believe you will be inspired and blessed by the Word of God. We'd love to welcome you to one of our services next time you're in the Brisbane area. If you'd like to know more about us, go online at www.riversidecc.org.au or like us on Facebook to hear about up-and-coming events. I hope you enjoy the message. God bless you. I want to start with a quote. I want to start with a quote this morning. And Charles Spurgeon said this, that great English preacher. He said this. He says, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind, branches without sap, like coals without fire. We are useless without the Spirit of God. Today is Pentecost. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word, which is living and active. Lord, we thank you as we looked this morning at Pentecost, that, that event on the calendar and history of our church that changed everything. Changed everything from that point on. Changed the believers, it changed the church, and it changes us today. So as we look at this account, look at you, Holy Spirit. Pray that you would come and you would speak to each of us here and say what you need to say to everybody in this room because you are for everyone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pentecost. Apart from the death and resurrection of Jesus, Pentecost is the single most important event in the life of our church, in the life of the Christian church, history of Christianity. Pentecost is the most important event. The background of Pentecost is simply this. Pentecost means the 50th. Okay? Not difficult. It means the 50th because it fell on the 50th day after Passover. That is the death of Jesus. It was also known as the Feast of Weeks because it was after a week of weeks. So 7 times 7 is 49, and therefore the next day is 50. Okay, you're all on the same page here. It was the Feast of Weeks. And traditionally, the Feast of Weeks had historical significance for the Jewish people because it commemorated the giving of the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. So when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, they commemorated that event on the Jewish calendar at the Feast of Weeks. It also held another significance concerning the harvest. Because at Passover, 50 days earlier, they would offer to God the first of the harvest. There was, there was a sheaf of barley, like just a little a handful of barley. They would offer that to God. At, but at the Feast of Weeks, they would offer two loaves of bread. Two loaves of bread as a thank you in gratitude for the harvest they have received. But as we're about to see, this Feast of Weeks, this Pentecost, was going to be very, very different. Something was going to happen that had never happened before. Impossible for them to foresee what God was going to do. Those who were there in that room will be changed forever. And because they were changed forever, Christianity was changed forever. The filling of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Acts 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and set on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Next slide, please, Abby. At that time, uh, next, uh, at that time there, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Next one. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Next one. Next one as well. There we go. 
They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These are all from Galilee. These men are all from Galilee, yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas surrounding Libya, around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. That's a lot of different kinds of people. And all we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. This is a truly remarkable event. Had never been seen before. They were in the temple. They were praising God and the Holy Spirit fills them. And people come rushing in. Jews come rushing in to see what the commotion is all about. They were being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a game changer. Because it held in a new era. A, new, a people who were following God who are now empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is important as we believe is living in the 21st century that we understand the significance of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To have him living inside us, connecting us with our Creator. Jesus was called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us. There's a difference. Holy Spirit is God living within us. He is in us. God was doing something new. It was a new thing. His presence within us available to everyone. Everyone. What is so significant about this Pentecost is that although God was doing something new, something new was happening, he was using old symbols as well. He wanted to make sure the people watching on, the Jews who were watching, understood what was going on. And so he uses old symbols as well. Remember I said that the offering to God was two loaves of bread. And these two loaves of bread were an offering to God. So the Holy Spirit is freely filling the believers who were there, 120 of them gathered in that place. And one loaf represents the Jewish believers. The Jewish believers who were present there at that account. They were there, they were converts, they followed Jesus one loaf represents those who were filled on that day, the Jewish believers who believed in Jesus. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the other loaf represents, of course, Gentiles, those who are non-Jewish believers, who now will be filled later at Cornelius' house in Acts 10. Two loaves, meaning two separate cultural groups, people of different backgrounds, who are now united by one common thing, that is, he who is the Holy Spirit in filling both of them. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. Everyone. Once upon a time, God would raise an individual. He would raise up someone who was a spirit-filled spokesperson who would speak for God. You think of people like Samuel, raised up by God to speak for the people. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, prophets raised up. He would raise an individual to speak for God. But now God is doing something new. He is raising up everyone. Everyone is going to be raised up because everyone can receive the Holy Spirit and be filled. We have to be filled so we can declare that Jesus is Lord and boldly display the life-changing gift of salvation. This is what Pentecost is, empowering the believers to testify about Jesus. God wants us, he wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just his Spirit living in us, but us connecting with him. Not just being born again of the Spirit. Remember, Jesus talked to Nicodemus. He says you must be born of water and of Spirit. So we receive the Spirit when we believe in Jesus. But being filled with the Spirit. So we can live the life that we were created for. 
a life of power and of purpose. And we need to be filled because, one, the Holy Spirit brings life. The Holy Spirit brings life. That's point number one. He is not a new occurrence. He has always been and always will be. I think there have been many church movements in our history, in the past of the church, that have been guilty of diminishing the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's been works in our church in the history of Christianity that have worked against the Holy Spirit to reduce him to a force or to something that happened a long time ago that's not relevant for today. I think the church in the past has been guilty of those things. We cannot reduce him to a force, to a guiding hand, or to something that isn't any less than God himself. Pastor Ken talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person, living and active. He is God. I think sometimes the problem is we have God the Father, and so we connect personally with that idea, God the Father. We have God the Son, so we connect personally with this idea of God the Son, a person. Then we say the Holy Spirit. And some reason, for some reason, there is a disconnect there because it's not a father, it's not a son. And so we think of the Spirit. Make no mistake, God the Holy Spirit is a person and he lives within you. You have God the Father, he who is for us, God the Son, he who is with us, and God the Holy Spirit, he who is within us. He has always been and he is God and he lives in you. And he brings life. Check out Job 34, verse 14. Job 34 says this. If God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would return again to dust. This is Job. Chronologically speaking, Job is one of the first books written in the Bible. This year we're going through the Bible chronologically in our Bible readings. Where did we read Job? Alongside Genesis way back at the start. And Job understood. Job understood the power of the Spirit. That without the Spirit of God, life ceases. It ends. We need the Spirit of God for life. So we need the Holy Spirit. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is for everyone. I know I've already said that, but I'm going to say it again. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. God has always sought to have a relationship with his creation. He has always wanted to connect with us. We see it in the garden with Adam and Eve. He he walks in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wants to walk with them and be with them and connect with them. God has always wanted connection. And unfortunately, it is not God who leaves us. It is us who distance ourselves from God. We can cry out, where are you, God? We say things like, I just don't feel God with me at the moment. I don't feel he's close to me. That's not on God. That's us. And it's everything to do with us. We are the ones who puts up barriers between us and God. We let the stuff of life get in the way. The things that we have to cope with and deal with and difficulties and challenges, we let those things get between us and God. How can God be distanced from us? He lives in us. He couldn't be closer if he tried. He lives within us. He is never far from us. He is closer than you think all of the time. He is not the one distancing himself. It is us who distance ourselves from God. The stuff in our life, it dulls us. It makes us numb and we don't feel him even though he is there. This is not a new thing. The people of God have always distanced themselves from God. 
Deuteronomy 5. Give you a bit of background for this one. God has given the law to Moses. People understand the law. God is this is Mount Sinai. God is on the mountain speaking. And he wants to connect with his people. He's given them the law to give them a standard for living so he can be with his people. And this is what happened. This is the people speaking to Moses. But now, why should we risk death again? If the Lord our God speaks to us again, will we certainly die and be consumed by this awesome fire? Can any living thing hear the voice of the living God from the heart of the fire as we did and yet survive? Go yourself and listen to what God says. Then come and tell us everything he tells you. We will listen and obey. God wants to connect with his people, but the people say to Moses, No, you go talk to God. You go talk to God and you tell us what he says and we'll obey what he says. That's not what God wants. They said, oh, they said, if we hear the voice of God, we'll die. They hadn't died yet. They already heard the voice of God. They said that in what their statement. We hear it again, we'll die. We didn't die last time. So that's not the issue, people. The issue is you don't want to deal with God. You want Moses to do it for you, to make it easy for you. But that's not what God wants. God's people withdrew themselves from him. And what was the result? What was the result? They said to Moses, you go, God will talk to you, and you come and tell us what he said, and we will what? Obey. Did they obey? No. Why? Because they weren't connected to their God. There was distance between them. That is why they disobeyed. That is why they fell into sin. That is why they walked away from their God. We need God because he is for everyone. He wants to connect with you individually and us corporately. Let's not ask fall in the trap of distancing ourselves from God. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit enables our relationship with God. So building on from the last point, the Holy Spirit enables us to have a relationship with him. He empowers us to work with our creator to complete the purpose he has for us. The Holy Spirit enables us to enter into a partnership so we can work together to fulfill what he has for us to do. We see this in the book of Genesis. Genesis 2, 19 to 20. So God has made Adam, formed him from the dust of the earth, and he says, says he breathes his life into him. He breathes his life, his breath into Adam. And it says this, So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave them names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So God makes man. He creates him. He breathes his breath into him. His life goes into Adam, but Adam is alone. And so God's like, that's not a good idea. Adam can't be alone. And so God creates all the animals of the land, and he gets Adam to name them. How do you come up with the names for all the animals? I don't know about you. I think I would struggle. God brings us along. Here's an animal. It's got long legs and a really long neck. What are you going to call that? Uh, giraffe. I know, I know Adam didn't speak English. I get that. Don't worry. Okay. Giraffe. This is a large animal in the water. Hippopotamus. Where does that come from? I can imagine my girl. If God said to my girls, I want you to name all the animals. Do you know what my girls would call the animals? Jeff. Dave, Steve, like she's laughing because she knows Henry, like avocado, like 
These are the things they call their toys. I'm not kidding. I don't, I don't make any of those names up. They're all actual names of toys my girls own. Steve. Like, avocado. It's just like, I can't imagine God going to my girls and saying, I want you to name animals. And I'm like, God, that is not a good idea. Please don't. But where does Adam get the idea, the names, to name all these creatures? It's a lot of creatures. Where? Holy Spirit. Because the same force, the same power, the same being that created the universe lives in us. The same creative God that formed the universe lives within you. So that we can do things that we think we can't do. The things that you say, I can't do that on my own. You don't have to do it because God lives within you. It's a creative force in you to enable you to partner with God to do the things he wants you to do. Just like he did with Adam. So he would have an idea of what to call these animals. The Spirit worked through Adam to name these creatures. He enables us to be creative. To do that which we cannot do on our own. God has things for you to do. And he will give you the power and the creativity to achieve those things. If you allow yourself to be filled. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit was always God's plan. The Holy Spirit is God's plan. It's important that we realize this fundamental truth, that the sending of the Holy Spirit was always the plan. Just as Jesus was always the plan, so too was the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that you've all kind of played a hypothetical game. If someone asks you, if you could meet any historical figure, dead or alive, who would you meet? I'm sure we've all done that at some point in our life. Or if you could have dinner with two or three historical figures, dead or alive, who would they be? Have you all played that game before at some point in your life or had that concept? Who always thinks of Jesus? Let's be honest. We're Christians, yes? We think it'd be cool to meet Jesus, wouldn't it? It'd be cool to meet Jesus in the flesh. Imagine your reaction now if through those doors at the back, Jesus walks through those doors in the flesh. How would you be? You'd be stunned. You wouldn't know what to say. Jesus coming in. We've all imagined that, meeting Jesus in person. But what does Jesus say about this idea? What does Jesus say about this? John 16, verse 7. He says this, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. It's a remarkable verse. It's a, if you understand what Jesus is saying here, it's remarkable. Jesus is saying, if you have a choice between me, the Son of God, the Messiah, having me with you, or having the Holy Spirit inside of you, the choice is not me. Jesus is saying, if you have a choice between having the Holy Spirit in you, or having me stay next to you, the Holy Spirit is always the number one choice. Not me. You don't want me. What you need is the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, no. The disciples, I'm sure they were devastated that Jesus was leaving them. I'm sure they were freaking out. What are we going to do now? Jesus is going. But Jesus is saying, it is better that I leave. You need me to go. The best optimal situation is if I leave you now. Because if I don't go... He can't come. If I don't leave you, the Holy Spirit can't come and fill you. You need me to go. Who could be better than Jesus? Holy Spirit at that time. For us living now, 
the Holy Spirit is who we need. Because Jesus came and he finished his work. He came and did what he needed to do so that we could have a relationship with our Creator. He came to die on the cross, and that is what he did. That's why on the cross he said, it is finished. He finished his work, and then he returned to the Father. So that we could receive he who we really need. That is the Holy Spirit living within us. We need him. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit is essential for life. So we need the Holy Spirit. He is fundamental for life as a Christian. And I want to look at an event in Jesus' ministry that highlights what we just looked at. The importance of the Spirit over the physical. So Spirit living within us over a physical Jesus with us. We're going to look at a story that highlights the importance of the spiritual over the physical. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Let's read this little, this little event. When they arrived at Bethsaida, that's Jesus and the disciples, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. Next slide, Abby. They look like trees walking around. Just remember that verse for a second. They look like trees walking around. And how bizarre a statement that is. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Let's deal with the obvious thing in this story straight away. Some people... And I'm sure it's nobody in this room or nobody watching online. I know you guys are all super intelligent, spiritual people. I get that. Some people have read this passage and have gone away thinking, Jesus stuffed it up the first time. Like, it didn't work because the guy couldn't see clearly, right? They've gone away from this verse thinking, I feel better because not even Jesus gets it right all the time. No. Just no. No, no, no. If you ever thought that, it's okay. That's not what's happening here. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. Okay? Jesus created the heavens and the earth. He doesn't make mistakes. So then why would Jesus ask the man the question? He says, can you see anything? Why would Jesus ask that question? What a strange question. Because Jesus knows what the man can and can't see. Why would he ask that question? He asked the question so that we can hear the answer. So that the disciples at the time can hear the man's answer. The question is for our benefit and for the disciples' benefit. He says he can see people, not clearly, they're like trees walking around. They're like trees walking around. That's a really strange thing to say. The question is this, where else do we see people like trees? And it's not Lord of the Rings, in case you're wondering. Don't even go there. Okay? Where else do we see people like trees, talked about like trees? In the Bible, in the Testament, and in the New Testament. Psalm 1. Those of you who have been in the church for quite some time, we remember quite a few years ago, Pastor Jim tried to get us to memorize Psalm 1. Who remembers that? Remember Psalm 1? Who still memorizes Psalm 1? I've forgotten, I've forgotten completely. Okay, But Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says this. It says, 
Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. That person is like a tree. Psalm 52, 8. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Psalm 92, 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Even Jesus, in Luke 6, 43, he says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. He's not talking about trees. He's talking about people. People doing good out of the good that's stored up in their hearts. Jesus didn't make a mistake the first time. He didn't fail the first time. What he did was restore more than just the man's physical vision. He opened his spiritual eyes. That is what he did. He opened his spiritual eyes. What was opened first? The spiritual eyes. He did the spiritual eyes first, and then he did his physical vision. He did this so that the man could see with spiritual eyes because it is the spirit that leads us into truth. The spirit leads us into truth. You can live if you are blind. Yes? If you can't physically see, you can still live, right? But if you don't have spiritual vision, you don't have the spirit in you, there is no life. There is no life. It is far more important that we have spiritual eyes open than physical eyes open. It is far more important that we have the Spirit living in us because He is the one who brings life. Remember when the men lowered the man through the roof when Jesus was preaching. Okay? And He said, what did He do first? Did He heal the man first? No. What did He do first? He said, your sins are forgiven. He did the most important thing first. The man can live without the ability to walk. But he needed eternal life. So Jesus forgives him of his sins first, and then he heals him. Same thing. He opens the man's spiritual eyes first because the Spirit leads us into truth. And then he restored his vision. God has his priorities correct. He wants us to understand the importance of the spiritual over the physical. If you are spiritually blind, then you will not have the truth. And you won't have the life that only he brings. I hope by now that you can see why we need the Holy Spirit, why we need him to fill us. I hope you understand that he brings life, that no one misses out, that he is for everyone. I hope you understand that he is the one who equips us to partner with God, to achieve the purposes he has for us. I hope you understand that he was always the plan. The Holy Spirit was always the plan. He is essential for life. What Pastor Ken said last week, he is the center of the universe. Not us. It is him who needs to be the center of the universe. And we need to be filled so we can have life in abundance. So the question then is how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? How does this happen? I believe that the account of Pentecost that we've read in Acts 2, there are conditions that allow the Holy Spirit to move in the life of a believer. If, they, if these conditions are met, he will move and he will empower individuals with the Holy Spirit. God wants our relationship with you. He wants you to experience the fullness of life, life eternal. But as I said, 
we are the ones who let stuff get in the way. We let our worries, our concerns, we play what-if scenarios, challenges, our anxieties, they choke us. They restrict us. They place a barrier between us and God and we cannot feel him anymore. It's like he isn't even there. But if we can provide the right conditions on our end, do what we can do, then the Holy Spirit can do the rest. If we can prepare the soil of our heart correctly, make available our hearts to receive, then he can move in us. And I believe that there are three conditions that are listed, are found in Acts 2. And the first one is this, three conditions. The first one is this, submission to Jesus. The first condition is submission to Jesus. This should come as no surprise. We need to be submitted to Jesus. He has to be where our lives are pointed towards. What did the writer of Hebrews say? Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Getting to Jesus is the goal. And the Holy Spirit will keep us in connection with him and empower us to run our race. The first believers understood this. Those who gathered, they understood this. In Luke 24, verse 49 and 52, we read this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, to the believers. He says, now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So Jesus is about to leave. He's going to leave his disciples. He's going to ascend to the right hand. He has promised them the Holy Spirit will come. But there are instructions. There's always instructions. During the week, uh, Jim and I went and helped Tom and Pauline put their IKEA furniture back together and it was shipped over. And guess what? Tom had the instructions on his iPad ready to go. Jim is like, I don't need those. And I'm like, let's read the instructions. Okay, you always read the instructions. Always read the instructions. So Jesus gives them instructions to make it clear so there's no confusion. Go to Jerusalem, go to the city, stay in the city and do what? Wait. Go, stay here, don't do anywhere else, stay here and wait. They had to wait. Ten days they had to wait. I hate waiting. I'm the most impatient person that I know. I hate waiting. I am so impatient. I have found the route to work, to drive to work, that requires me to sit in traffic for the least amount of time. Even though it takes me longer to get to work, it feels faster because I hate sitting in traffic. And so I found as a way, I snake across the city to Wynnum from Oxley. Just because I cannot stand to sit in traffic. I am so impatient. Quiet, Charlie. I am so impatient. No one likes to wait, do we? Who likes to wait? Does anyone like to wait? Don't put your hand up, please. Dave likes to wait. There's always one. Dave likes to wait. You don't like to wait. But Jesus says, I need you to wait. Not only am I leaving you, but you have to wait for he who I promised you. He's not coming straight away. You've got to wait. And what did they do? What did the disciples do? They were told to wait. What did they do? They waited. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. It's a miracle. They did what Jesus said because they were submitted to him. They trusted him wholeheartedly. If Jesus said, wait, then they were like, I'm going to wait. If Jesus said the Holy Spirit is coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. We don't know who that is, what he looks like. We have no idea what to expect. We're going to wait because Jesus said to wait. 
We need to obey Jesus. If you want the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and empower you, bring life to you, then you need to submit to Jesus. You need to make him the center of your universe. He has to be number one. This week, i got three challenges for you this morning. This week, I want every single person here, myself included, every single person watching at home, I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. I want you to make him more of a priority this week than he was last week. Spend more time with him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Obey the word and submit to it. Make a conscious effort. I want you to commit to fixing your eyes on Jesus. Can we do that? Yes? Three of you? Excellent. (laughs) The second one is unity. The second condition we need to meet is unity. When we read Acts 2 for the first time, the first thing we notice is this. They were all together. They were all together. They were still meeting together. Ten days had gone by and they were still meeting. But more than just physical unity, they were not just in proximity with each other, they were united in spirit, united in heart, united in mind. The Holy Spirit will not move amongst the people who are divided. He won't. Ephesians 4.3, it says this, under unity. Ephesians 4.3 says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Paul's talking about unity and maturity of faith as one body of Christ. We cannot allow division to rob us of a move of the Holy Spirit. We need to be as one. I think we are blessed here at Riverside. I really do. I think we are like a family. But we know that no family is perfect. Every family has issues. We aren't perfect, but I do believe that we try and love like Jesus. I really do, to be at peace with one another. But here's the thing. Here's the challenge for you. If you know I'm not asking you to put your hand up. And please don't turn around and look at other people in the building when I say this. But if you know that there has been something, a little bit of an ease, maybe a word said with someone else at church, and things aren't existing in complete unity with that person, this week I believe God wants you to make amends. If you know there's a bit of, uh, things aren't quite right between you and another person in church, I'm not looking at anyone in particular. I'm just looking around the room, okay, just so you know. But if there's, if you know, because no one else knows, if you know, and God knows that you know, if you know there's something between you and another person in this church, this week the challenge is to fix that issue. As difficult as it is, as hard as it could be, you make yourself vulnerable, you have to swallow a little bit of pride, whatever it is. Maybe it's making a phone call. You need to do that this week because God will not move amongst the people who are divided. Maybe it's just you. Maybe you need to let something go. Maybe said, someone said something in a conversation. You took offense. And that person has no idea that they even caused offense because it's in you. This week, you need to let that go. You need to put that aside and have a heart-to-heart with God and help you forgive. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know. But what I do know is that he will not move amongst the divided people. There needs to be unity in the house of God. That is your challenge. And the third one is this. We need to be open to receive. We need to be open to receive. We need to believe that God is going to move amongst us. 
We need to believe that he actually wants to do something. We need to have faith. Luke 24, 53. It's the last verse in Luke 24. Back to Luke 24. It says it's very short. It says this. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Praising God. Remember, they were told to wait. Ten days you've got to wait. Wait patiently. But it wasn't like they sat around playing cards the whole time. That's not what they were doing. They spent their time in worship. In worship. They opened their hearts. They strengthened their faith by worshipping God. Acts one fourteen says that in addition to worshipping, they prayed together. They prayed, they worshipped God. Here we have 120 believers, men and women, devoting themselves to worship and prayer in order to ready themselves for whatever God was doing next because they didn't know what God was going to do next. We have the benefit of hindsight. We read the word of God. We know what to expect. They had no idea what God was going to do. Pentecost was something out of the box. That had never happened before. They had no idea, but they were ready. They readied themselves. They didn't fear what God wanted to do. They didn't understand what Jesus meant by a comforter or an advocate. They had no idea what that was. But they didn't fear it either. Being open means we have to have a spiritual boldness. Being bold enough to declare that you have faith and that you trust Jesus, you trust God to do something. You believe that he actually wants to move through you and do something he hasn't done before. You have to believe. You have to have faith. This is what it means to be open to receive. To have faith that he will fill you. The Holy Spirit will overflow and he will imbue us with power from on high. And we ready ourselves by worshipping, by praying, by committing ourselves to a quiet time. Not a time where we sit down and just list our prayer request to God. I think we're all guilty of that sometimes. We sit down with God and we just pray to him the whole time. Imagine if you had a friend and he met them. All they did was talk at you for the entire time. And they didn't get to say anything. You could say anything at all. Maybe you have friends like that. I don't know. But God doesn't want you to join with him and just talk at him the whole time. That's not what he wants. We need to worship. We need to pray. But we need to listen. We need to sit in his presence in case he actually has something to say to you. He might actually want to speak to you, but he can't because you never shut up. Okay, we, never, we, just, we don't stop talking. We just want to pray for things and move on with our day. But God wants us to sit in his presence and listen to him. Listen, wait patiently for him. Praise him and then quiet yourself and listen. Ready yourself for what he has for you because you believe that he wants to do something. Wait in expectation because the Holy Spirit wants to fill you. God wants to connect with you. These are the conditions that will allow him to move. We must submit to Jesus. We must keep our eyes on him and live in obedience. We must live in unity with other people. Remove division from the body of Christ. It has no place in the family. None. And he will not move if there is. We need to be open. Worship. Pray. Listen. And believe that he's going to do something. Next week, Carl Butler is coming to speak to us. He's going to speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is going to do something powerful in the life of the believers in this place. He wants to move in you. And he can do that if the conditions are met. If your heart is right. If we do those three things this week, 
in preparation for next Sunday, I encourage you, be here next Sunday. Invite people to come next Sunday and see what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Because He is the one who brings life. And there is no life without Him. He is the one who empowers us to connect with our Creator. He is the one whom God wanted to send so that we could be imbued and filled with power. That is God in us. God in us. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning and pray. I'm going to ask the musicians that they would come. I'm going to ask that you would stand in his presence this morning. And just as the musicians get ready, I want you to stand there and just wait. Just stand in his presence this morning. You can raise your hands if you wish. It's up to you. Just raise. Just raise your hands to him. Just stand here. I know the silence can be uncomfortable for some people. But do you know what? It's not uncomfortable for God. He is here with us to stand in his presence just for this moment. Just for this moment. Listen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need to get used to this. Not just filling our prayer time with words, but getting used to standing in his presence in quiet and in the silence. Because that is when God will speak to you. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We come to you because we know we need to prepare our hearts. Because we know that you want to connect with us. You've always sought connection with your people. You've always wanted to be with them, to walk with them in the garden, to walk with us, to be with us. You've always sought that. And it's always us who distances ourselves, who walks away. Lord, this morning, we stand in your presence. And we say, God, we believe. We believe that you want to do something powerful, something new. You want to fill us, Holy Spirit. You want to. That's what your word says. And we trust. That's like the early believers did. They trusted in you completely. You said, wait, and they waited. You said the Holy Spirit would come, and they believed you. And we believe you this morning. We declare that we believe that you want to do something powerful and amazing. Thank you, Jesus. You want to do, you want to fill us, Holy Spirit. You, Holy Spirit, who are God living in us, you want to fill us and imbue us with power so that we may live the life that you have for us. That we may do that which you have called us to do. That we may may be a testimony, a living testimony of the goodness of Jesus, the salvation that he brings. Lord, I declare over every single person, they would go from this place and they would seek, they would fill those three challenges, that we would go and we would submit to you. We would read your word and submit to your word. We would make you more important this week than we did last week. We would increase our priority in your life. We would set our eyes upon you. That, Lord, we would seek to make sure we have unity in the house. Holy Spirit, you would speak to people in this place and online if there's any division, that they would rectify it this week. That they would do what they can do. We seek unity and peace in this place. That the body of Christ would be at peace with one another and in unity. So that we, you can move among us. 
And third, we would open to receive. We would believe. We would believe this morning. We would believe this week that you are coming, that you want to fill people, that you have something new for us, mighty, mighty works of God ahead of us, every single person. You want to partner with every single person here to do something amazing that can only be done with the filling of your Spirit. So help us to prepare our hearts. Let us commit now. As we stand in your presence, let every person commit now to meeting every single one of those challenges. As they come next week, they'll be ready to receive. They'll be ready for the work of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, this morning, there's people here, people at home, who do not know you, have not made you their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that they would know that they want, that you want to connect with them, that you want to connect with them, that you sent your son Jesus to die for them so that they could know you for eternity. They could know you. So if anybody here, anybody watching here, I pray, Lord, all they need to do is reach out to you and say, Lord God, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for doing things my own way, for making me the center of the universe. And Lord, I pray you would forgive me of my sin. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Be the center of my universe and lead me into all truth. And if you do that, the Holy Spirit will come to live inside you. And He wants to fill you too. He wants to fill you too. That's like everybody here. We thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning. We thank you that you're a good God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live within us. That even though sometimes we feel distant from you, you are never far from us. You are never apart from us. You are always with us. Let us recognize in those moments it is not you, but it is us. That we would strip away anything that would numb us from you, would dull our senses, would strip it away and seek your face only. Seek to fix our eyes upon Jesus and seek to know that you, God, are living within us, in our hearts. You are with us. And you give us power and strength. And you give us life in abundance. Oh God, you are good. Help us to prepare ourselves this week to go out from this place knowing you are with us. Whatever we do, whenever where we go, you are with us always. Help us to quiet ourselves, to listen. If you may have something important to say to every single person in this place, because you, Holy Spirit, are for everyone. Everyone. No one misses out, God. Everyone. Thank you, Jesus. We declare your goodness in this place. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for joining us online. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for listening today. I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you can be inspired weekly. God bless and have a great day.